The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Now, the Queen was, of course, saying that in Jesus, whom she believes in, that no matter what has happened this year gone by and for the year to come, as we consider Christmas time, whether there be hopes or fears, where she find their solution, them being fixed, our truest hope and our deepest fears relieved in Jesus. And it was fascinating as she mentioned these things, the Queen being a widow, she sort of mentioned something which I want to take note of uh, for us tonight as we consider this very brief uh, story of a woman called Anna who met Jesus in her own latter years. Uh, that there's a tune that we need to sing in order to know the truth and to experience the truth about who Jesus is, to have those hopes and fears found in him. And so I've got three tunes that we need to experience The first is the tune of long-suffering. The second is the tune of devotion. And the third is the tune of timeliness, that we might join uh, in the Christian faith of the Queen in finding tune of Christmas this year. So first, the tune of long-suffering. Now, in our text, uh, we're introduced to a woman, very briefly, called Anna. It says that she's a prophetess, And we get a a brief insight into her life. It says she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was four. So it seems that she had been a widow for approximately 60 years or more. That's a very long time in the ancient Near East, in the first century, to be a widow and to have very little support. We didn't have a welfare system in those days. You relied on your family or those around you to take care of you. You're one of the most vulnerable people in society if you were an unmarried woman. And she remained a widow, it says, to the end of her days. But she found solace. She found her hopes and her fears in thee through her continual worship of God. Notice that she was one of the most vulnerable, one of the, and in a difficult situation, she'd been grieving for a very long time, didn't, uh, didn't have children, it seems, to even look after her. And yet she had hope, and she was joyful in God. Now, just very briefly, this tells us something that you and I need to know this morning, is that as worship increases in our lives, our disappointment fades. Because you can get to the end of your life and look at all the things that you haven't got, all the things that you haven't had. You know, you can look at the way that life has failed you, not just your own failures, but how things haven't worked out as you'd hoped. But Anna was a woman who, in her long suffering, continued to worship and honour God. And so her disappointment seemed to fade away because God was far bigger in the picture. She was more thankful then for what she had than for what she didn't have. It tells us that she was, at the end of verse 38, that she was waiting for the redemption of Israel. Even though she was experiencing really the downside of the world, she's sort of the bottom of the social structure in uh, that day and age, and yet it had not consumed her. 
She had hope that God would set things right. She had the hope of the people of Israel that God would come and make all things right as he had promised. Now, the Bible tells us that even today, many people are waiting for this same hope of God's return to make all things right. This is uh, talked about in the book of Romans, another book in the New Testament, uh, as a sense of groaning. It's described this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 22. It says, For we know the whole, that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. There's this, there's this sense in which things are not quite right. And we can see that around the world if you turn on the news today. Even though it's Christmas time, we all know that things aren't quite right in the world. There's this sense of inner groaning that if we're honest, we all experience, whether we're religious or not, this morning. And yet there is this long-suffering hope that if you bind up your hopes and fears into God, He will make all things right. I thought this was summarised really well uh, in the last week by uh, a journalist called Stan Lee, who uh, just wrote about his experience of Christmas this year. So let me read this out for you. He says, I come from a big Aboriginal family. There's no Christmas like a black Christmas. There was never much money and presents were few and modest, but they were treasured. One year I got a book of Greek myths that opened a world of wonder and ideas that have stayed with me for a lifetime. We played cricket with a homemade bat carved out of an old fence post. Our ham came from a tin and chicken substituted for turkey. But we were blessed. Christmas time was a time of prayer and hope. My uncles were pastors in the Aboriginal church. They looked to the black church leaders of the United States and the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. So there's this hopeful tone that he remembers from his childhood. But then as you get to the end of the article, actually the tone changes and this is what he says. He says, what are we left with? A society obsessed with cartoonish cancel culture, debilitating contests for recognition and poisonous identity wars. All of it like a cancer eating democracy itself. There is little transcendence, just inherent pessimism and hopelessness. He finishes with, my Christmases are sadder now than that my grandparents, uncles and aunties are gone. Our world is immeasurably poorer for the loss and derision of faith and the substitute of cynicism. And this was in one of the most, uh, the most popular news uh, sites in Australia. The, the application for us in considering uh, the state of the world without God is that if we lose the true tune of Christmas, the world is worse off. If we, like the Queen said, if we can't, sing the true tune of Christmas, then as soon as Christmas is over, reality sets in and things aren't that good and there is very little hope for us. And yet, there is in this text a woman who, even in her long suffering, even as she experienced the, the worst of the world, had hope that God would come and that if she, as she bound up all of her hopes and fears in him, she had faith that he would set things right. So that's the first tune that we need to sing. The second is the tune of devotion. Now we actually see this in the second half of verse 37. We see that Anna was a woman who did not depart from the temple, worshipping and fasting, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. She was 
depending on God. In fact, the, the idea of um, the spiritual discipline of fasting is that you would learn by not eating food to depend on God, whom you can't see. It's quite simple. So it's a spiritual discipline. She used to practice this very regularly, the text tells us. The text also tells us that she was a prophetess. She was someone who served God faithfully in the temple. And she had a ministry of prayer. She was someone who used to pray regularly. Despite her situation, God was using her significantly. Despite being in her latter years, God was using her faithfully. Now, there's another really clear point of application for us here this morning. God can still use you no matter what age you are at. Whether you're young and in your early years or whether you're old and in your latter years or in between, you can still serve God faithfully if you put all your hopes and fears to Him. This is a reminder for those of us who think that there's an age where we retire from our work, we retire from serving, from God, from serving God. It's not biblical. And is lifted up to us as a woman who continues to serve God in her latter years. And she does it, it seems, increasingly so. The picture of a mature Christian is here, found in a widow of more than 60 years, who loves God and who serves his people as often as she can. Now, Anna has a beautiful tune, I think, of devotion for us this morning, but it actually points us to the great conductor of the tune, which is the one that she was looking forward to meeting, Jesus himself. You see, Jesus was someone who the rest of the Bible tells us was actually totally devoted to serving God and serving his people. And yet, unlike Anna, Jesus' devotion would actually end his life early. So it seems that Anna's hope increased and prolonged as her life went on and on, and she lived to a ripe old age. And yet Jesus' devotion and love for God would end his life at the ripe old age of about 33 to 35. Jesus' devotion, however, does answer this question that many of us have about a world that is in a state of long-suffering, in a state where we're enduring but groaning, where things are not quite as they should be, and yet we hope for something better. Jesus answers this question by taking himself and being willing to humble himself before his heavenly Father and go to the cross for the sins of humanity. It tells us that this Jesus, spoken of in the Bible, is utterly committed to humanity, even to the cost of his own life. And he's utterly committed to humanity to take the very thing which poisons this world, which is the sin, not just out there but in here, that he would take it upon himself and die and take its consequence so that we might be set free. The Bible tells us in Romans 8 again, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We have this wonderful promise from the Bible that Jesus is the sign that God is utterly devoted to his people, that we can trust God because God gave his only son for us. We can put all of our lot in with him and know that everything will be set right at his return. Uh, I think this is well explained by another widow, uh, who is a widow to um, a guy called 
Andrew Chan. He was one of the uh, Bali Nine, if you remember, uh, that, so several years ago. He was a self-confessed uh, heroin addict and drug smuggler and was convicted uh, and placed into an Indonesian prison. And uh, his wife at the time, of Febianti Herwilia Chan, who became his widow, in an interview just after, after his death in 2015, said these words. Andrew managed to end it well. Andrew managed to bless people. Andrew managed to forgive those who hurt him, those who mock him, and it's only because of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus, she said. If you want to have the same courage, the same peace, if you want it to end well with him, it's only through Jesus. So that was almost immediately after uh, he was executed. But actually this year, in 2021, six years later, there's an, another article that reflects her experience since then. It says, For a long time, Febby hid herself away, this is Andrew Chan's widow, from her friends and from God. But she missed talking to people who knew Andrew. And by reaching out to them again, helped her come back to God. Slowly, Febby began to speak. And she began to listen afresh to God's words. She speaks, I had this image of a God who would not allow someone to go through such pain. And I know now that that was the wrong mindset. It was a misunderstanding about how God deals with difficult situations in our lives. After what happened to Andrew, that's what really shifted in me. I began to understand that being a Christian didn't mean bad things would not happen to me, but that when they did, God would be with me. And he can use my pain and my difficulty in those dark hours to help other people. You see, as Febby experienced what it was like to uh, have the sufferings of this world come upon her, it made her really consider what God was about. Does having faith in Jesus Christ mean that you won't experience the difficulties of this world? No. But it does mean that you will experience his goodness even in the sufferings. And she knew that. And she came to grips with that over the six years since. And so it is true then for us this morning that in our long suffering, as we reach out to God, we will find, like Phoebe did, that Christ is enough. Like Anna did, the prophetess, who continued to draw near to God day in, day out, she found that in him, was her strength. In him was a hope that the darkness of the world could not dampen, a light that could not be put out because God is greater than the darkness and he has overcome the world. So that's the second uh, tune, the tune of devotion. Our last tune this morning is the tune of timeliness. It's interesting, uh, in verse 38, it says, and coming up at that very hour... This refers to the, the previous part of the narrative when uh, it's in the temple that Jesus is being presented according to the Jewish custom uh, as a little boy. And Anna, at that very hour, came and saw the one that she had been hoping in. The thing that she'd been waiting 60 plus years for in her grieving, but also in her hope, he was there. It tells us that the long-suffering and devotion that she had was all worth it because he was there. How do we know this? Because she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem.
She became a herald to those around her of God's goodness. The Bible tells us in uh, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that with the comfort that we receive from God, we are able to give comfort to others with the comfort that he has given us. With what God does in a person through faith in Jesus Christ, it changes them so much that these words just must come out. This hope and this truth just must come out. I was listening uh, to a sermon by a guy called Martin Lloyd-Jones in the past couple of weeks and it mentions uh, this phrase from a, a, actually a, a Christmas carol that we sang today by Charles Wesley and uh, the phrase uh, goes like this. It says, Late in time, behold him come. Late in time, behold him come, of course speaking about Jesus, saying that he is late in time. Now, it's a very interesting phrase, and Martin Lloyd-Jones really picks up on this and says that you know, the whole world has seemed to be falling apart for centuries, even millennia, and yet it keeps going. And yet, why did Jesus come at that very time? You know, or as it is for Anna, at that very hour for her, where she'd been waiting her whole life for the redemption of Jerusalem. And perhaps it is the same for you and I this morning. We've been waiting our whole life that things might be set right, that there's a hope somewhere, even dim or for some of us a bit more bright, that someone or something out there would set things right. Perhaps our hope is in a political power to do it or the education of the world or in our own morality or whatever it is. And yet those things don't seem to pull through because they haven't for centuries and millennia. And Martin Lloyd-Jones picks up on this and says, God is late in time because we cannot solve our own problems and he has given us thousands upon thousands of years to prove that point. And so that when Jesus came, he was late in time, but behold him come. He was exactly on time. Someone said to me once that God is almost always almost late, but always on time. Let me repeat that again. God is almost always always late but always on time. God comes at just the very hour that Anna needed. And he'd prepared her her whole life as she had endured a, a life of long-suffering and of devotion to him. And yet in that very moment, he was there. And that is true because this is not just a story of fiction. This is marked in history. God himself stepped into humanity. That is the point of Christmas, that God has come. He has taken human suffering and evil and sin upon himself and died to put an end to it. And his kingdom is now spreading out all across the world through those who have faith in him. A kingdom that has no end. A kingdom where Jesus rules over it and those who are his will not take part in eternal separation from God and eternal death. But they will be his forever. And they have faith and hope that he will return. And he will set all things right. This picture of Anna... And seeing the timeliness of God is a picture for us this morning, this Christmas. It is a picture of maturity as a person. Of it all being worth it when we finally see Jesus. It's a picture of hope. 
And so when we sing to these tunes, the tune of long-suffering and putting our hope and fear into God that He will work things out, our, our tune into devotion, that as we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. And we sing in tune with God's timeliness and we say, yes, God has come. He has come to deliver me from the evils of this world and save me now through faith in Him. We will sing with worship to Christ from our hearts. It is very interesting because um, if we rewind a little bit in history from the story about Andrew Chan to just uh, after he got his death sentence, this is what he said. He said, when I got back to my cell, I said, God, I asked you to set me free, not kill me. God spoke to me and said, Andrew, I have set you free from the inside out. I've given you life. From that moment on, I haven't stopped worshipping him. I had never sung before, never led worship until Jesus set me free. Andrew Chan actually became a pastor in that prison and many, many people, dozens and hundreds of people came to faith through what he experienced and was speaking out. And so it is true then for you and I this morning that there is a hope this Christmas and it's not found out there, but it's found in Christ Jesus, the King of the world who humbled himself by becoming a human, by born and then becoming even obedient to death and death on a cross. A God who dearly loves the people of this world, laid down his life for them and took it up again that he may get the glory. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for what you have done. We want to thank you that you have had the greatest long-suffering, the greatest devotion, and came at just the right time for your people. Fresh and renew us in that news. Lord, help us to work out what that means for each of us and call us to put our trust in your Son, our Lord and our God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.